Hi, and welcome back to On Guard Cigar Salon. This month, we are doing something a little bit different. You can see we're on a different set. I am still joined by Ray Spannon, Graylin Thornton, the Cigar Pig, myself, Mr. Christopher, but we are not in our backyard this time, and we are unable to smoke cigars, which kind of sucks, <laughs> but we do have this live audience, and that's news. Say hi, everybody. <laughs> so we thought we're seven months into shooting On Guard. How's it, how's it been going for you guys? Good. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah, it's been great. You are getting a little notoriety here and there. Now well, a little here. bit, which is kind of surprising since I'm nowhere on some social media. And neither is Grayland. And <laughs> I am now. You they are. made me get on social media. I now have Twitter. <laughs> so we were lucky enough to come up to uh, Gear Up Weekend, which is an annual men's retreat, which um, they haven't had for three years. So it's been a real blessing to be back here. And I'm sure all of you feel the same way. Actually, the best thing about Gear Up Weekend, besides the incredibly hot sex, is the food for me. That's why I keep coming back year after year. So check out, check out gearupweekend.com and come out next year and you can be part of this again. So this week we thought we would just open it up to questions and we said, ask a leather daddy anything. And even though not all of us are leather daddies, you two are leather daddies. Are you a leather daddy? Off and on, off and on, you know how that is. I'm in and out, in and out. I feel like if you get to a certain age, you can be a leather daddy. Okay, well then, I'm at that age, trust me. <laughs> so we're gonna open it up for questions for all these kinky, horny guys here at Gear Up. Um, and are you ready for this? I'm ready. <laughs> this yeah, is ready. live, yeah. off the cuff, you gotta be smart. We will. But do you want honesty? To a point, right? Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> is it coming from you? <laughs> we don't have AMP here to edit us. <laughs> AMP usually is our, um, our our filter. Yeah, he pulls me back. Let's rethink that. <laughs> have you considered? <laughs> anyway, so let's open it up for questions. Who would like to ask the first question? Hi, so this is or those of you who do identify as leather daddy, so I guess it's raised in for Graylin. I am identify as a leather boy, and I am 27, and I've been holding on to that age for 40 years. <laughs> a little more than 40 years. So um, when did you identify as a daddy, become comfortable with it? Was it a transition, or is it something that you always felt? That's a good question. It is. I went gray pretty young, so I kind of had to take on the moniker of daddy pretty, pretty young. Uh, I also think that there was the mistaken perception that because one is top or dom, which back then I primarily was, that that was a daddy and a boy or, you know, was more sub, which is actually not necessarily true. Um, so I took it on pretty early and pretty young. Um, I do not, and I don't, it's gonna sound really trite to say this, but I think being boy, being daddy, being anything you wanna call yourself or identify with, 
is entirely a state of mind. I know people disagree about that, but I think if you can be 85 and call yourself a boy, you can be 25 and call yourself a daddy. I do not think it is age restricted. Yeah. I might be a little different. <laughs> You're just a huge thing you are. Shocker. Let's hear it. <laughs> um, because my, my journey was a little differently than races. Um, at an early age, I, I joined a leather club in San Jose called Slug, and I was 25. And I went to one of the daddies in the club and asked him if I could be his boy. And his response was, you have no idea what you're asking me. Go out in the world, experience it for one year, and come back and ask me that question. So I did. I went out and I investigated. I read Drummer Magazine. I went to a bathhouse in San Francisco called Animals, hung out in there for a while. And a year later, I came back to him and I said, you're right. I don't want to be your boy. So, <laughs> um, but that gave me the experiences. So I just kept going and having different experiences. So I was a boy for five years. I was a slave to a guy for six years in San Diego. And I just kept progressing. And I felt at some point in my life that prepared me to do the same for someone else. So I met a young man, I became his daddy, and I started to teach him the things that had been taught to me. So it's, it just progressed over time. So I think it's your experience that gives you something to give back to that person as a daddy. I have to have the experiences to teach him and the knowledge to teach him and show him the way so that he can do the same later on if he chooses. So I'm not sure if it's age restricted, but it's more experience to me. Yeah. Yeah, you, you, you required the experience. For me, for me, it was a little bit age thing because I was always a boy through my 20s and 30s. And then Amp was the first one who asked if I could, he could call me daddy. Now it wasn't leather daddy, it was daddy. And at first I was 44 at the time. I was like, absolutely not, because in my head I was still a boy. Um, and then he explained that his biological father was younger than me and I had to reconsider that. <laughs> and then it just became, yes, yes, yes. Uh, and then it just became everyone, because he hung out with a ton of puppies, they all started calling me daddy and then I just got used to it. But then as far as becoming like a leather daddy, also that gave me the, I had been topping for a while, uh, just to kind of pay my experience forward. And then, but being a daddy really bumped me into that dom mode. And I felt like I was the age that I could do it. So age helped me feel like I could be a leather daddy, uh, but I still sub and I'm still a boy too to some people. It just depends on the dynamic, yeah. so. You know, one of the things I would say that go with all of this, as I said at the beginning, which was a little bit tongue in cheek, but very true. Since the 70s, I've been in and out of the community and having the opportunity, but when I do have any downtime, I was the affinity was always to the leather crop. So like um, Race and Graylin said, I think your experiences mold us, but I hope with what we're experiencing with the trans community and just learning to really respect um, pronouns, that people would respect. It doesn't matter how old you are, if you identify as a boy, once people find that out, and if we can all just really be comfortable 
and someone else's space and just let people be who the fuck they are. That, that's what this is all about. And I think why we do this forum. So, um, you know, like you had your experiences and then you came back and I know I'm going to be your boy or no, I'm going to be daddy. <laughs> but it doesn't matter what age or anything else about it. It's what you are. Yeah. Well, do you feel, Chris, that um, your experiences as a boy? Absolutely. Otherwise, I wouldn't have known what I was doing. So, yes. Yeah. No, there's this there's a skill set to it. And it's 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 also life experience a little bit, too, Mm -hmm. because if you're taking a boy under your wing, you have to be ready for the problems and the situations that come up in their life and have to have a little wisdom to guide them. So I I think it also helps with their understanding their emotions and their feelings Mm -hmm. as they're on their journey, because you may or may not have had those same emotions and experiences and those feelings, but you understand more where they're coming from. So it's like, okay, I remember this because when my daddy called me this or did this to me, I felt this way. So I know what you're feeling and I can deal with it a bit better than if I didn't have those experiences. Mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of it is relative too. I mean, if if somebody's 35 and has a 22 year old boy and their daddy, they may seem very young to me right. because I'm 68, but they're absolutely um, qualified is not the right word, but they should be called daddy if that's what they want to be exactly. called. And that's, so I, I'm very much, I think it's all relative. I agree with you that experience matters. I agree with you that experience matters, um, but I agree with you that people should be able to be called and identify whatever the fuck they want to be. Basically, right? race is Switzerland. I know. <laughs> well, but if we go back to the first episode or second when we talked about imposter syndrome, yeah. it really is fake it till you make it. If you really want to achieve something, whether it's in your personal life, sex life, professionally, you got to do it. Yep. So mm-hmm. if you're that age, um, like you did, you went out and got the experience you needed to do it. Mm-hmm. But you're right. You are who you are. I want to throw in one more quick thing. Okay, so. Um, by the way, it's never quick. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's always good. <laughs> um, in talking about you know being called daddy or boy or whatever subdom you want, you also have to realize that during sex and play is much different than when you're looking at life and something long-term. So it's really kind of fun to be in a sling and be screaming out, yeah, fuck me, daddy, this, and you know, all right, boy, take it. And that's all fun in the moment, but you have to understand, now, does he think that this is going on when we leave this room, or is it just (laughs) here? And I think that, you know, we have to think about those things also when we play and we start using terminology, is how's the other person taking this? Good first question. That was. Who's next? Um, what's the difference between daddy, sir, and master, and how do they how do they differ for you individually? Oh, you're all those. That's a good oh um, yeah. That's a race question. <laughs> you need to get out the Weatherman's handbook. <laughs> yeah, um, huh. I think that. Every word is an approximation of what it is it's trying to describe. And our scene is that way. We have all these labels and it's different things to different people. So let me qualify it by saying that. I think generally people see daddy as kind of a nurturing role. Mm -hmm. 
I see sir, and, and no disrespect to anybody that uses sir, I see it as a more generic category that into which they can place various personas, various roles, various role dynamics. Master signifies a fairly stark power dynamic. And um, there are different variations of master, but I think generally when you hear master, it's the role dynamic is very specific. It's far more controlling and, and um, the dynamic is more in one direction than perhaps sir and daddy. So that's how I see it. What do you think? Well, I, I'm called sir by the young man that I have uh, collared because I can interchange anything with that at any time. So like you said, sir is generic or what he calls basic. And so, <laughs> and so, you know, at any point, he can call me daddy, he can call me sir, he, he calls me master sometimes. So it depends on the play and the dynamic of that moment. But generally, I'm sir. I agree with Ray's. I was, I, I'm called daddy by almost everyone. It's more just... You're very nurturing. I'm very nurturing. Mm -hmm. Am I? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I'll be called sir by different boys, but usually they're uh, leather players. Not always necessarily collared to me, uh, but it's kind of like an honorific in a way. And I like it. I've never been called master by anyone, uh, just because I haven't gone into that hardcore protocol play that that requires. Mm -hmm. Although I did call one person master for a year. So, yeah. Hmm. Well, I think it's, you know, I think the one thing about anything with labels is if it's strictly negotiated between people, obviously you got to go with your negotiation. And if you have a master slave relationship for the time that you guys are together, that's what you have to honor. But the one thing I think is that if you do label yourself a boy, not to get arbitrarily always be that. If you feel like doing something different and if you're in a scene or you're with a partner or somebody where you can do a different role and you're up for it, don't let that arbitrary, oh, but I'm a boy, stop you. You know, I think that would be the only thing about the labels that I would say is that if they're negotiated and fixed, great, but they should also be movable for the person to experience whatever they want to do. Yeah. As, as, um, as being from Switzerland, what you call it? Switzerland. Yeah. Switzerland. Switzerland, I guess. I'm the switch guy here. Switch. Um, Switzerland. <laughs> He's never used that before, so that's the first I've heard him use that. So um, something tells me that's going to last. Um, I think that the daddy, sir, and master roles, identifications, et cetera, can be extremely constrictive. Yeah. And yeah. as somebody who came out as top and dom and only tiptoed into bottom and sub territory later in life, uh, those roles were a bit of a prison as well as mm -hmm. a, a, a glorious thing. So I agree with you. That's why I'm chiming in is because yeah. I completely agree with you that even if you are daddy, sir, master, or any other label on any side of the dynamic, realize that you can be in any other place in the scene that you wanna be, as long as everyone's consenting and it's good to go. Because I, especially the master role, and I am master to a, a amazing man sitting right there, um, who embraces my switchiness, which is good. 
by Switzerland? Wait, I have to say this right. <laughs> Switzerland. <laughs> um, I just think that it's really important not to get constrained by the roles. Yeah. And I think that, I know boy and slave and sub and pup and other things can be constrictive too, but I think that, at least my experience is that the highly dom roles can be extremely constrictive and keep you from exploring. And take it from somebody who tiptoed and wish I had pushed the doors open faster, don't do what I did, just do what you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, who's next? Um, so I, earlier you fellows mentioned about um, the concept of faking until you make it. Um, and I think Race, you spoke about um, Leather Daddy being a headspace. Um, can you guys share with us your thoughts on, does gear make a Leather Daddy? Um, knowing that gear is very expensive, sometimes inaccessible, uh, share your thoughts with us around that. Who's gonna, you've been starting them. Okay. Um, <laughs> absolutely not. Gear does not make right. a Leather Daddy. Um, gear is great, gear is fun. Gear is sexy. Uh, I know a lot of guys who are naked in a pair of boots and far more leather, leather daddies than someone else who was decked out and had to tow leather standing there look, you know, look like, like Tom of Finland. So I do not think that it makes any kind of kinkster, daddy or otherwise, but it's supposed to be something fun that we play with. I think there's times when you're in certain environments and people say, I want you to wear something like this that we respect that if we can but that shit is expensive right not and only is it expensive it's hard to fuck it it is <laughs> i will i'll get full leathered up and it's just like after the boot looking i'm like just get this off it's <laughs> just too much <laughs> so no i agree with you i don't think it's necessary uh to have a full leather uniform or leather outfit to be a leather daddy, a pair of boots and a belt, and you're good to go. Yeah, I'm one of the laziest dressers that you will ever <laughs> see. And, and it's true, I embrace that. So for me, like Chris said, I want to just get the stuff off or I don't feel like putting it on. The idea of having to put on some pants and some boots and a shirt and a tie and a vest and a hat and all of that and try to look good in it and then go out and have a good time is ridiculous. I just want to take that shit off. However, I do. I was going to say, come on. <laughs> However, I do believe that there are times when it enhances the scene. It enhances the way that you feel about yourself. It enhances the way that you yeah. present yourself out to the out to the world. So you know, you have to decide at what points are you going to make a presentation of yourself? At what points is it for the scene? And the, at what point does it just feel good to do like that, uh, dress like that? And then the other times, like I have on some shorts, some socks and some tennis shoes at this very moment. And of course I walked in here and looked at them and thought, you didn't tell me you were wearing your boots. Well, you so <laughs> <laughs> this is the seventh show. You would think by now you know how to dress. For but the it's show. 100 degrees outside. Well, listen, I showed up in flip-flops and I'm wearing a Friends 11. <laughs> now, I agree that you don't need all the gear. However, there are some things, especially if I'm subbing to uh, Dom, that are a buzzkill for me. 
And one of them is if they take off their boots and they're wearing white socks. I don't know why that drives me crazy, <laughs> but it really does. No. Or if you, you mix like coordination. So like you have black boots and a brown belt on, that'll drive me nuts. Uh, but that's because you're gay. Yeah. <laughs> That's not the leather. <laughs> so, yeah, there's, I mean, still put some effort into dressing. That's, a, a, we're not saying just wear anything, but yeah, if you're going to be a leather daddy, have a little yeah, right. pride in what you present yourself in. Right. And, you know, the reason I love this question, because when I first started going to Levi leather bars, like we used to call them, vests, bar vests were the big thing. People couldn't yeah. afford, you know, when I moved to New York, um, and I saw somebody in a harness and kind of in full regalia. I thought, oh my God, this, and you find out how expensive it is. The problem with some of that is you got to live up to what you're wearing too. You know, if you meet somebody in a bar and they're head to toe everything and they have zero experience or zero kind of passion for what they want to do, it can be a real turnoff too. Mm -hmm. So um, I do think it's drag and, and you know, you got to inhabit the character or be yourself and do what you want to do. Plus, I think that our scene is changing so much yeah. oh, that yeah. what we call gear yeah. is a much broader category than it once was. It was very um, restricted within just a few kinds of looks once upon a time. And now it's so many different things. That Spandex, neoprene, every yeah. latex. Yeah. Yeah. And there was a time when you didn't mix those things. Uh, when I was coming up, if I walked into the Eagle and a mix of latex. Well, I didn't really wear latex, but if I if I wore you know um, leather and okay, suede was not was not acceptable in the ego. Now today I have a suede shirt that I was going to wear, but if I were to mix things like that, people would not be happy. So you know the times change, and I have to say. I was really against, you know, five years ago, race always tells me I'm growing, but five years ago, <laughs> <laughs> I would walk into one of the big leather stores in San Francisco and see what they call gear and just be aghast. <laughs> <laughs> this is a gear. And now it's like, oh, thank God, I could just put on a single yes. and go out. <laughs> you, know? you were just bitter. <laughs> Why did they get to wear this? But you know, it's like now I'm so happy that all I all I have to do is put that on and I'm good to go. So Leather Daddy Skin Company is a plant-based skincare line with a kinky twist. Leather, scotch, vanilla, and 18 erotic spices are bound to get the blood flowing, getting you ready to dominate your day. If you use offer code ONGUARD, you'll get 10% off your order. So thank you very much, Leather Daddy Skin Co. And you actually liked it. I, I loved it. Um, Until you just slathered Tasty Hole all over. <laughs> <laughs> Good question. I don't know if they do it anymore. Remember when there used to be little signs, no cologne, no... Oh, uh, yeah. I'm still there, still have, I am, oh, Well, I'm we're, still we're there, but no do they yeah. still have the signs where there's, like, no sneakers, probably no white socks, no cologne, no... By the way, the pig doesn't get out much, so... <laughs> <laughs> do they still have bars? <laughs> There's well, all online now. <laughs> all right, that was a good question. Who's next? So I have a couple questions, actually. Okay. And I'll start with the first one that came up last night is, how do you find a play partner? And is it okay to ask for like a resume or references? And how, how do you ask, or who do you ask for references? 
Mm. So, uh, you, you, wait, follow up to that question? Are you talking in person or online? Either in person or you, yeah. Mm. So the way I go about it is, Recon is my best buddy because to me, uh, Recon Profiles is kind of like a menu and I go through their pictures to see what their experience is. If it's just a bunch of just headshots of themselves, I'm like, mm, they don't really play that much. Um, I need, I need to see what they're doing and then I will, I'll look at who their friends are. I'll see if they're active in the community, uh, that kind of thing. Um, but that's, I do my own research through recon. I do a deep dive on everyone's profile. Yeah. I think it depends on, I'm sorry, that cut you no. I think it depends on um, what you're actually looking for in terms of, do you want to try something for the first time? Or did you see something happen and you want to try that? Um, I have a, I tell my Onyx brothers all the time, if you're going to play, play with the best. Mm -hmm. And what that means is, when you want to have an experience of rope bondage for the first time, find someone who you know is good at that so you have something to measure that against. And that's gonna take some, some asking around, some references, some looking around, um, some watching other play. And then you know, you'll get an idea of, he's really good at that, I'd love to play with him. And you can explain that to him, and I think that will mean a lot to him. Now, if it's like a weekend like this, where everyone's just kind of showing up and you aren't thinking, I want to have the best first experience I can, I think that you have to do it the old-fashioned way and meet people, hang out, watch, see who their friends are, see how they interact. And at some point you have to, you have to ask. At some point yeah. you have to go up to them and let them know, because they might be thinking the same thing, like, I wish that guy would come over and talk to me. You know, it's, it's like it was in the 70s and 80s before we had phones and apps. You know, you had to actually talk. And I think that you have to do that at a place like this. Yeah. Or once you're in a dungeon, you have to interact with that person. And it's hard. But, you know, if it was easy, you might not appreciate it as much. Yeah. I think if you realize, I think a lot of people are shy about going up to someone in a bar or something to talk. But more often than not, if you actually do that, the other person is grateful that you yeah. did. Everyone kind of expects everyone else to come to them. And you kind of have to put yourself out there to do it. Uh, that's why an event like this, like Gear Up, is amazing because mm -hmm. they started it off by segmenting people by top bottom switches and they switched it up by categories. And I, during that event, I was like mentally noting who was into who what. And I was like, okay, <laughs> that, that one I can talk and that one mix and match, perfect. Um, so we need more events like Gear Up. So, so I do think that the communication shouldn't stop once you start playing because I do think that, you know, it's for both people to achieve what they want. You know, on the opposite side, though, you have, you have to always know when it's not working. Yeah. You know, if you go up to someone and you're having a conversation, you can't just keep going with, well, you're hot and I definitely want to play with you. You can't always expect the hot guy in the room to be the best person to play with. And at some point, I think you or the other person has to say, you know, you're a nice guy, but you might be better off with race. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll be the fallback. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's it's not always going to be 
the end result that you want and you have to you know expect that and understand that you said you had two questions did you have a second one so uh the next question came up to somebody new is uh, is it okay to ask the sub or expect the sub to have some of the gear that if they want to be tied up or is that only fall upon the dom or the top that's a good question I don't know. How would you answer that? I think it. The the answer that I always give for so many things is it depends. It's like who's hosting. That that's a communication thing. You yeah. know, if if the sub has an amazing piece of gear that he wants to use, um, then yeah, use it. And many of the subs have been in the scene for 30, 40 years and have lots of gear they've collected that they like used with them. And some newcomers coming in and they're kind of coaching them as, you know, from the bottom, if you will. That person's likely to provide most of the gear. And I think that's, you know, that's completely appropriate. So I really do think it depends. I don't think there should be a supposition necessarily that one party or the other is going to supply the gear. Part of the negotiation, it's right. communication. What do you have? What don't you have? What can I bring? What can we go shop for together? Um, whatever that might be, I, I'm pretty egalitarian about who provides what gear. No, I, I've been playing with a, a sub for almost two years. And about a month ago, he pulled out a hood that he's had all this time. And I was like, what the fuck? I went and bought a hood, and you had a hood? You know, bring the hood, bring your stuff. I mean, you know what feels good on you, and you know what looks good on you. Let's do that. You know, I want you to look good. I want you to feel good. I want you to feel comfortable so we could do the things, you know, that I want to do and move past that. If that hood looks good on you, wear it. You know, it looks better than the one I would bring on. So devil's advocate. I like to play with my own gear because I know how it all works. You know how much have gear you have? Have you ever tried to put on somebody else's hoods and not know how? <laughs> yeah, that's and then when you say, put this on. And, <laughs> <laughs> do you do anything? <laughs> <laughs> you just make them do everything. Go. You know, if they bring a hood and they know how to put it on, they put it on every Saturday night, put it on, come, you know, and we'll be good to go. We're great. I got that from race, actually. <laughs> what? And I'm going to channel a, one of the greatest BDSM players that ever walked the face of the earth, and that's Tony DeBlas, who would always say to me, my favorite gear are two things, my voice and my hands. And I think that we often, he, he could pull off scenes with those two things far better than most people can with a trunk full of gear. So I think sometimes we're very gear centric, but as long as what's taking place between the ears is the magic you wanna make happen, you don't always need a lot of gear. So I, it's perfectly acceptable for a brand new dom or top to say, I don't have anything. Do you have anything? And vice versa. So yeah. I, I'm, gear is great, I love gear, but I think sometimes we become so gear centric that we assume to have a hot scene, we need lots of gear. All right, anyone else? Hey, so you mentioned earlier on that a lot of your experience from being a sub earlier on in life helps you be a better leather daddy, daddy, sir, whatever. Um, but what about for people who maybe 
they like different things done to them as a sub than they like as a dom. Do you have any tips for how you can learn uh, in that situation? So I, I'm gonna use an example from my own life that I think most people who are switches, who play on both the top dom and bottom sub side of the equations, um, like different things on both sides of those um, roles and, 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 and power exchange. In my own life, I love mummification. If the bottom is into it, I'm good at it. I, I enjoy watching them go through that experience. Do not mummify me. I'm claustrophobic. Just, I tried it once and within 20 minutes, it's like, cut me out, cut me out, cut me out, cut me out for like, I just, I just couldn't deal with it. So I think that's completely normal. I've been in the scene a long time and almost everyone I know who switches to whatever extent often likes different things on either side or they like the same things, but in different intensity. I could beat the fuck out of this guy with a flogger and really get into it, but just dust me lightly if I bother. You know, so it's it it it's all over the map. Yeah, I agree with you on that. There's lots of things that I don't like as a bottom that I like to top and do to people. Yeah. <laughs> all right, I have a, a thing oh, I yeah. want to bring up. So Chris brought up earlier my Onyx brothers being here, and if you don't know, Onyx is a club for men of color um, who are exploring their kink journey. Um, I have eight or nine brothers here this year. Um, and so I expected that many men of color to be here. But as some of you may have noticed, there are lots of men yeah. of color here this year at this event. And... <laughs> and I'm bringing that up because, you know, events like this and the other events have for years said, and, and okay, let me back step that. Not necessarily this event, but when I was younger, a younger Leatherman, people would always say to me, how do we get more people of color at these events? How do we do that? How do we get them interested? And my response was always the opposite one that people expected. Um, I strongly feel that men of color will find their way here. They will find their way to leather because there's so many other men of color for them to see doing this. Mm. And I strongly believe that it's not white people's jobs to go out and recruit men of color to be leather men. That mm. is our journey. We need to do that. Now you can let us feel welcome and you have, as we're here, I'm watching you. And, <laughs> and my brothers have been talking all weekend on how different it is that they thought it would be, how warm people are, how they feel good being here and they wanna come back. And that's because you're letting us have our own journey. You're letting us come here and be ourselves. So we don't need you to come out and grab us to bring us here. We want our own journey. So I wanna thank you for that. Well, I think that. I do, I think it's really important that you said that, and being an old queer, you know, it seems like decades ago, the community wasn't that big because so many people couldn't come out. So our spaces, and I don't mean this pejoratively at all about today, because the spaces I go to are very welcoming. I do think there's a lot of spaces that could really pay some attention to that, because they're not. And it used to be years ago, queer card got you, whether you were old, white, black, young, experienced, you know, disabled, everybody was queer at what bonded us. 
And I do think we lost some of that, so it's good to hear that it's coming back. I think it's always been in the leather community. I do. I think it's a very welcoming community. I hope it is. But I think you, it's an interesting thing that it's, it's for people to find the community, not to just always recruit into it. You have to also understand there are going to be people who are not welcoming. There's going to be uh, gay leather men who are racist because there's people on earth who are racist. Yeah. There's going to be assholes. There's going to be those people, but we can't let those people stop us from coming here. Right. We have to do that. This is our journey and we don't need white people to have it unless we ask you to. That's great. They hear this all the time, these things all the time from well, me. So they're just like, oh, there he goes. <laughs> but it's <He's> important. <laughs> all right, are there any other questions that you have for us? Okay. Um, Christopher, you have uh, very well uh, branded Grumpy Daddy. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so, you know, as we reach towards the end of this, like, other than <laughs> Greenland's soapbox, what makes you grumpy about the community at this point? Oh, it makes me grumpy about the community? No. So, first of all, let me just, the grumpy daddy thing like is it. purely a joke. I, um, I am the <laughs> sweetest, most well-adjusted human being on the planet. <laughs> Yeah, it's got nothing to do with leather, let me tell you. No, I, mean, I, love, I love the leather community. What makes me grumpy about it? Um, uh, what makes me grumpy about it is I, I like that we're all online now because I would much rather be able to look up somebody online than in a leather bar and go home with someone who's not into leather just because they look like they are. Um, but what I don't like, I haven't gotten used to how, because I play with a lot of younger guys, how they communicate online and especially through apps um, and how the online community uh, for hookups is so immediate gratification that like even today, I think I opened my Raycon and someone had sent me a message last night. I didn't read it till this morning and they're like, Oh, I guess you're not interested. I'm like, you gave me five minutes. <laughs> so, um, it's just everything is so immediate. And for me, being in the leather community, I need time to figure out who you are, set up a scene, a date. I'm, I'm not a fly-by-the-seat-of-my-pants kind of guy. And, um, yeah, I, I think that the immediate gratification part of the leather community has gotten to me a little bit and makes me grumpy. Well, do you trust their online um, profiles? I generally do. I, I think that the, the days of people using the wrong picture and pictures that don't look like themselves are kind of over because- No, I mean by like their experiences. I, I, get, I get that sense when I talk to them, you know? So I, I don't do the deep dive online. I, I do it, I, I'll set up a phone. I'm much more of a phone guy than a texter. Um, it's because you're old. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and unfortunately, the millennials and Gen Z, that's all they do is text. And you can't tell tone, you can't tell if it's a joke or not. Um, and so I'd much rather have a phone conversation. You know, I bring that up because when I ask Chris, do you trust them? Because I don't trust online profiles. Oh. 
You know, I see many of them, and, and I've had this experience recently, where someone lists all this experience that they have. And I know that they haven't had that experience because I know some of the places and, and things that they've talked about, and they couldn't possibly have done these things. And so I worry more about, and especially doms, you know, putting on their profile, hey, I'm Master Daddy, sir, and I have all this, <laughs> and I have all this experience, and I want you to come over here, and I'm gonna do that, this and that to you. And that scares me because you know, newer people reading this online might say, oh good, I get to go meet Master Daddy, sir, and I'm showing up at his place and he's gonna do this. And they don't know who that person is, you yeah. know? So I'm, I'm always worried about I that. I think it's important to realize in, in online things uh, that the profile that you're reading is not them 24 seven. And nobody is a Master Daddy slaveholder 24 seven, you know, they have jobs, they have families to attend to, they have uh, reunions to go to. Um, and when we're horned up and we're in the mood to have sex, we just put this fantasy on this person. Um, I rarely, I, I, I take what a person's profile is at kind of face value. That's maybe what they're like for an hour, but I don't think that is That's their them. persona. What, what's your guess of how frequent they are accurate? What do you think? That's a really good question. I don't believe... Okay, so I think that with my experience and with the experience of my friends, if I haven't heard of you or if none of my friends have heard of you at this point, then I don't believe you're who okay. you are. But what, what would you say to, like, someone in middle America that doesn't have yeah. the friend circle that you have to be able to suss that out. Be careful. Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely be careful. And you could still ask, uh, someone asked earlier about references, ask references because someone should know who that is at some point. Yeah. If you, if he's ever played with anyone else, which he should have, if he has this resume, then you know, you need to find out who those people are. Yeah. So you just said the word I was going to say. The, an online profile is a resume. And as we all know, a lot of people fake their resumes or fudge their resumes in the job market. But until you are face-to-face -face interviewing them, you don't really know who they are. It's just an entry point. So you do a lot of research yeah. when you look at this online resume, it, much like somebody would you know, interview you for a job. So I think of it as a resume. It's the best possible presentation somebody could put forward. Don't necessarily believe all of it until you actually talk to them, um, much like in a job interview. So yeah. um, I, I take all online things with a grain of salt until proven otherwise, but I don't discount them either because I think sometimes pr people present themselves in their fantasy self. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And they are, for those three hours you're playing, they are that person. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They just aren't that, you know, when they're at the grocery store and you see them and you go, well, they're not that tough, you know, master daddy that I saw. Well, yeah, they're shopping for groceries, you know? <laughs> so, so, so I, I think online is a boon to the kink world. I think yeah. it's a wonderful thing, but it's just one of many tools and you have to talk to them face to face. Yeah. So and what I, do you have? Oh, I'm sorry. No, no we, have, so, we need to talk about grumpy stuff. So what do you do <laughs> when someone asks you, can I be your slave 24-7? Oh, God. 
Oh, I'm like, okay. who's feeding you? Run, <laughs> run in the other direction. You're, you're basically asking someone to pay your rent. And, and it's, it's a lot of work. But there's a lot of that on recall. Oh, I know. It's like, can I be your slave 24-7? I'm like, no, that's too much work. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have the time. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I kind of dismiss those yeah. offhand. I, I also think if somebody is going to come at me on Recon or any hookup site and say, sight unseen, without a conversation, right. I want to be your slave 24-7, I want to stay locked in, in your basement, and I want to whatever they- No limits. No, no limits. limits. That, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, that's no like limits. red flag, ding, 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 yeah. ding, you know, the those no limits thing. I assume they're green and a neophyte in the beginning. Yeah. I do not assume that they're experienced at all. Yeah. I, I assume they are presenting what they think we want to hear, but we want to actually hear the opposite. We want us, you know, we want to be um, and please don't romanced a little. Honest. Yeah. <laughs> don't move across the country in the first week for someone you met yeah. online. Yeah. Just Although I did that in my relationship. <laughs> did it work out? Yeah, See? 18 years. Wow. It's kind of weird. Don't follow Graylin's advice. <laughs> <laughs> he is an enigma. But you know, Chris said, Chris said red flag. And um, I think, especially when you're looking online and you're searching online, if you start getting red flags, trust those red flags because something is going on. You know, um, and that's, that's the perfect time to start investigating. If they say something that doesn't sit right with you, um, if they want to do more than you're prepared for, trust your own instincts. My, my ex, J.D. Slater, had a saying that I always use. It's the red flags are not waving you in. Yeah. And I think a lot of us recognize the red flags, but for whatever reason, we decide to ignore them because it's just so hot or we really want that experience so badly. But just it, the red flags may be false red flags. You may have misinterpreted something, but always listen to your gut on the red flags and at least check in and make sure, yeah. you know, whether this is a person you want to play with or not. Mm -hmm. Well, I hope we've answered your questions, um, but I want to take advantage of having a test audience here um, and see what topics would you like us to cover in the future? Um, we're uh, currently going to explore uniforms in the leather community will be one of our topics. Uh, we're going to uh, have someone on from ACT UP and talk about the history of ACT UP. But um, what else would you guys be interested in hearing about or knowing more about? Um, if I'm not mistaken, there's two of you that I actively identify as polyamorous. So maybe uh, a conversation around the intersection of polyamory and leather. So. Excellent. Yeah, yeah, yeah poly would be good. Yeah. There's three of us, but technically four, but... Um, one of you does not identify. He does not identify as Polly, which we just discussed in the pool. <laughs> you should have gone to the Polly class. Look, he's <laughs> I did. But you know, okay, so I think it comes to definitions and how we define certain things. Because when I hear polyamory, I hear something completely different than if my Onyx brother says polyamory. And so I react to what I think it is, and he has a completely different idea. So I may fit under his idea and not mine. I'm still not going to his class though. 
<laughs> but this was a great note. I'm putting it on the list of favorite topics because this will be fun. This will be a fun ride. Um, anyone else? Anything else you want us to discuss or you think is an issue in our community that we should address and have a conversation about? What about the role of daddy in the community? Daddy in community, in, in what way? Just the, the role that, that daddies play in the community as far as the experience and leadership that they might provide. Is there anything unique uh, to that experience or is that common enough of an experience that you might discuss? I'd like to answer that. So when I was a, a very young leather man in San Francisco, there was a group of men in San Francisco called the Leather Daddies. And they included um, Alan Selby, Philip Turner, um, Zach Long, uh, Philip, um, uh, uh, Steve Gaines. And these were all men that were <laughs> elected to that position through contest, but it was also based on their experiences. And these are men that I knew from early on um, until they were no longer with us. And they took on that role. As a young leather boy, I did everything they told me to without question. Um, they disciplined me. Um, they taught me how to do things like uh, put on leather contests. I learned that from Philip Turner. I learned things from following around Alan Selby. Um, so they had a specific role. And the great thing about them is they watched over us and I felt always protected by them. I could go to the Eagle and I had no fears because I knew one of them was watching out for me. And that's something that I really miss and I wish that would come back to San Francisco. I think we need the leather daddies there to look over hmm. the young men who are coming up. It was, it was a community honorarium basically, yes. right? It was yes. people that had had done their time, sort of had the wisdom, and that that were able to guide people in a nice in a different way. And it was it was a great piece of what our Yeah, it wasn't a contest where people could just walk up and go, I want to be San Francisco Leather Daddy. It was they knew who you were and they knew your Jay. They they, they knew your history. Um, and it was a very difficult contest to win. In fact, there were there was one year um, where one of the men went on to create the leather walk because during the contest, someone said to him, what would you do if you won the title of Leather Daddy? And he said, I would create a leather walk. He didn't win and he still did it. And that was the type of man that you wanted to have there. I agree with everything you said, but... <laughs> <laughs> I think we often assume that the daddies in the community are the leaders. Mm -hmm. right. And I have seen so many subs and so many bottoms and so many slaves and so many people that are not identified as daddies as far better community leaders, far wiser, far more experienced. So I don't think we as a community should default to the daddies as the wise ones. Right. I think we, need, we have a collective of wise ones of which daddies are, are many. So I, I just want to slip that in because I think so often people on the sub or bottom side of the dynamic tend to get discounted as not leaders, as somehow not wise, that don't have the kind of 
um, ability to, to, to mentor people in. Often they are as good or better than any daddy on the I face mean, of the earth. Hello, they're bottoms. So they're, they're, they're <laughs> yeah. calling the shots. <laughs> <laughs> they're the two leaders. <laughs> That's great. You know, one of the things, the reason why we called it a salon is we want it to be based in the kink community, but with any topic being available. So we love the ones and we've done a lot of the ones that are really into what the community does, community activity. But if people could think about, we exist in a larger community and what affects us as a community from that, like politics or, or the fact, are we identified you know, as a bonafide community and do we stick together and represent as that? And so when we look at topics, you know, we do want to branch out and not get away from the kink leather part of it, but look at other topics that also come into us because we exist in this world. So if you think about any of those that would be interested, you could always, you know, like a text, right? Mm -hmm. Or email or no, I want, I want you know, Ray said something really important. And when I look at some of the young people today and compare you all to what I was at your age, you're far more advanced than yeah. I was. You have talents that I didn't have and you have interests that I didn't have. And some of you are explaining things to me today and changing my mind about things. So, right. you know, I, I'm really, really impressed with some of the young people and the young talent that's coming up in this community. Yeah, so true. Um, I think one interesting thing would be, what do you see the role of contests, bars, and that? <laughs> Let me finish my question. What do you see it happening, what's happening now, but what do you want to have happen for the future? What would you like the future to be in your perfect scenario for? So what is the place of contests, bars, and what else? Contests, bars, and kink weekends, like getaway weekends. What are they now, and what should they be go forward to continue our community? Okay, so usually Grayland says, I'm going to get canceled for this when he says something, and now I'm going to get canceled for saying this. Um, I would like to diminish the importance of contests within our scene. And the reason is that I love contests a lot. They're fun. That's what I think they should be. And occasionally leaders emerge from the contest scene. But what sometimes happens now is there's a default assumption that because somebody wins a contest where there was one contestant, that, and it happens. That's a leader. That, that is automatically a leader. And if you think, look at any other aspect of our culture, where do we pick our leaders yeah. by contest? We don't. We, you, know, you don't pick a leader by walking across the stage in a jockstrap. That person may end up being a leader, He's a title holder who is a leader. He right. was and became a leader. So that's different, but that's because he's Grayland, not because he won a title, in my opinion. So that's where I contest. Bars, for, for better or worse, and that depends on people's perspective, they are now blended environments where yeah. everybody is welcome, needs to be welcome, because we as queer people simply don't have enough spaces. Yeah. And that's just reality. Affinity spaces are great if you have the space for them. But right now, I don't think we have enough spaces. Realist, we have a crisis of real estate. And that's really the main problem. So we need to share those spaces. And events like Gear Up Weekend, way more of those. Yeah. The love, the community, the sharing, the camaraderie, the, the feeling here is very difficult to replicate in any other format. 
if you don't know, race was on the judging panel when I won my title in 1993. So <laughs> it's his fault. <laughs> but I think we have to be a lot more honest with ourselves about what we have and what we're doing with those things. You know, we act like contests are the same thing that they were in 1979 and 1986 and all of that. And it's different. And if it's going to be different, if it's going to be more based on politics and pageantry than we had intended or was, we have to admit like, this is all political and pageantry and there's big dance parties and most of the people aren't here for the contest, they're here for the dance party. So let's pretend that people, let's stop pretending that people are here for this contest. They are not, they're here to be seen, they're here to look good in their leather, they're here to buy more gear, they're here to do whatever and go to a big party. So let's just say that that's what's happening. The same thing with bars, you know, we want to act like they're still the same, they are not. And, you know, if we have, a bar night that's for leather people, then we have to show up to that. We can't not go to the bar and then complain when the bar admits other people. We weren't there in the first place. So why should we care that, you know, the Good second point. Friday of every month is a drag show? We weren't gonna go. So, you know, we have to be honest with what we can do, what we can support. And then, you know, we can have the conversations of how do we make it better? I stopped going to uh, weekends that didn't include play a while back because I skipped an IML one year and I realized nobody cared. So it's like, well, I don't need to come back here anymore. I could go to Gear Up, you know, and have a hell of a much better time. So I think that we have to start being honest with what we want and what we have. Yeah. You know, I think to add on to that, I think the neighborhoods are really either shrinking or going away. And we found our place, the King community found a place many decades within the neighborhood, within and, and kind of everybody negotiated and navigated around that. And, you know, those are shrinking or totally going away. And where does, like you say, the real estate or the community sit? Because it is a living, breathing, it's a physical thing. And, you know, where the hell is it? You know, and I think that's a great topic for us to explore in the future to add on to what you said. All right. Well, okay, one last one, and then I'm going to call time. Um, so I'm really excited that in the past 10 years, uh, we've definitely seen a resurgence of kind of like sex work is work. Maybe it would be really interesting to talk about pro-dom and like... That's a, good one. That's a great one. Yeah. Um, and who knows, maybe it'll get demonetized, but I still think well, we're not monetized. We're not monetized. <laughs> it's hard to demonetize something that's not monetized. <laughs> you know, I'm glad you brought that up because I do think sex workers from everywhere get a bad rap. And I'm not saying everybody can afford it or that's their thing or for some reason they have some ethical thing against it. But when you were saying if you want to experience something and you have the ability to do it or you save up to do it, hire a sex worker and do it. You know, I, I honestly believe that there should be, I don't know about, I just think it should be no stigmatized in our community. And if I, I make, of course it's a cost, but if somebody can save up or experience it, I think it's a great way to experience something you never did before by a sex worker who's good at it, have at it. There was a, a pro-dom in Los Angeles when I lived there um, very famous porn star, gorgeous, really nice, incredibly skilled, great dungeon. And I probably sent 20 guys there to experience Smart. their first scenes. 
And I said, just go, he's a great guy, you'll be safe, you don't have to worry about that part at all. Say, I want this, you're not sure if you're gonna like it or not. A pro-dom is able to do that for you in a way that perhaps you might not get another way. So I am all for elevating Me sex too. work as the important work it is. I agree, and I think some sex workers could actually elevate an experienced player's that wants to like, if they know everything else, but like you know so much about everything and you don't know about rope. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hire one one time for an hour that says, okay, now tell me, you know, how I can get into this or experience that I don't like it, you know? No, and it, it could also take you out of your comfort zone. I want to have, I know I'm probably telling you like way too much, but <laughs> I want to have an experience with a dominatrix, and her male sub. And the best way that I've thought of to do that is to hire a dominatrix yeah. and her male sub and have that experience. And I think that we owe that community um, a big debt of gratitude because they're providing that service that we can't find anywhere else. Yeah. And then when you look around this room, um, how many of, I'm just gonna say us, um, have like just for fan pages and, and only fan pages. And every time I look on there, I, I see one of my friends, I'm like, you go, you know, <laughs> good for you. You know, you're putting it out there. And I think it's, I think that, especially with the kink people, how comfortable we are with sexuality. Um, so uh, earlier uh, we were talking about, well, you folks were talking about um, red flags. And we're kind of navigating around some potential green flags for uh, daddies and leather daddies. Um, can you guys share with us some explicit green flags that you guys think make a good leather daddy? Green flags that make a good leather daddy. Um, I'll throw one out. Um, at least some semblance of humbleness. If somebody is a leather daddy of any stripe, and says, I know everything, I, I know how to do everything perfectly, um, I can do absolutely anything you want. It, um, you know, that's a, that's a red flag, but if they have a little humbleness saying, you know, I don't know how to do that. Do you know how to do it? Can you show me? I'd be glad to do it with you. A certain amount of humbleness, I think, is a, is a green light. It's like, okay, they're open to discussion, to negotiation, to learning. Um, somebody who's not open to learning, that's a red flag. Open to learning, green flag. Yeah. No, I have this saying with, with the young man I have collared, and I say it jokingly all the time to him, but um, your sir's job is to make your life better. And I say that jokingly to him almost every day, but I honestly believe that. I honestly believe that I'm here to have him have the best journey that he can. And I also believe that part of his job is to enjoy that and let me experience that with him. So when I would say a green flag is a person who understands that this isn't about them, it's about the other person. And for a sir, a dom, a daddy, it's about the boy, the sub, the slave. Yeah. Um, one of the things I've found a lot um, is I can't fix people. Um, I can help people, but only people who want to help themselves. I've, I find a lot of times boys and subs will just be like throwing their hands up and 
it's just the same problem repeatedly over and over. Um, I think a good leather daddy has a combination of humor and empathy, but also doesn't try to fix everything himself. Um, yeah. You know what, I have to, to add to everything that was said, which is great, is I think for me, because I, I do not hook up from people online, I, but they start asking about you. You know, when you're talking with them and you're doing that negotiation, that all of a sudden you're getting along and then it migrates that they're asking about you. And, and all of a sudden you're starting to tell about yourself. And to me, that's an entrance green flag. You agree, Doc? <laughs> also, do they have resources? You know, um, there are things that I'm not good at or things I'm not interested in, but I may know someone who is. You know, I can I can call on a number of people and even in other states and say, hey, this guy is coming to Georgia. Would you look after him? And that's a resource I can provide. So I also think that, you know, in my opinion, to be a good leather daddy is admitting when you don't know how to do something and can't do mm -hmm. something. But then knowing someone who can or researching someone who can. All right, time. I'm gonna call time on this. Okay. Uh, any more time and the sun is gonna get the pig with bad lighting. <laughs> um, <laughs> I really want you guys to give yourselves a round of applause for yeah. thank you. Yeah. They were all good questions. You gave us some good topics to yeah. discuss and figure out for the future, so I appreciate it. If you at home want to join the conversation, you can leave comments in the comments below. Please subscribe to the channel on guardsalon.com. Please tell your friends. Uh, it really helps us. Uh, the next episode's coming up. We're going to get a little political, especially going into the midterms, um, and try to sway the vote in our direction. Um, if you like the gear that Race is sporting and the pig right now, uh, you can go to onguardgear.com and pick some up. And I wanna do a huge thank you to our continuing sponsorship from Leather Daddy Skincare, who has been with us since the beginning, and Mr. S Leather. So thanks for making these shows possible. And guys, really thank you for your yeah. support. Appreciate everything you've done. Um, and keep watching. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye.